You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Lisa Keith, editor in chief of Meeting Place and Alt Meat. Welcome to this month's Meeting Pod episode dedicated to the meat alternatives market. You probably don't listen to a symphony orchestra and think, wow, that reminds me of a plant-based meat burger. But Ken Kraut does. Ken is the global chief flavorist for savory for ADM, which supplies much of the plant-based proteins that go into these analog products. Kraut says finding just the right combination of flavor and mouthfeel and satiety is like conducting a concerto. In an interview for Alt Meat and the Meeting Pod podcast, Ken spoke with contributing editor Ed Finkel about his work and the opportunities he helps unlock for Altmeat's future. We are here with Ken Kraut, Global Chief Flavorist of Savory for ADM. Ken, thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. The first question we had is, what exactly is a flavorist? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? Well, a flavorist really is a, a hybrid between a chemist and artist. On a day-to-day basis, if you could imagine, I kind of look at it as being a conductor uh, of an orchestra. You know, you have each different sections of the orchestra. Each section kind of represents a different type of chemical classification or ingredient classification. A good conductor will know, you know, exactly what each one of these musicians could do in these sections, but also know what they could do together. So really on a daily basis, as we, uh, as flavors, we look at these ingredients. How do we put those together in a way in which we can build flavor systems that would be desirable to the consumer and be representative of our gold standards? So how much of your time would you say is spent focusing on meat and protein specifically? And how much effort is spent on producing food for humans vis-a-vis feed for animals? So yeah, primarily most of my time is spent on alternative protein. Obviously, that's where the market's kind of going now and in the future. I do spend time on meat protein as well. What we do, uh, which is interesting, is we take a lot of the work we do on the meat side and utilize that and leverage that into what we do on the alternative protein side, like different processing, different ingredients and methods like that. So how would you say formulating and flavoring meat analogs compares and contrasts with other types of meat and food products? Uh, it's a whole different animal, excuse the pun. <laughs> so basically, you know, if you look at meat protein, you know, animal protein versus alternative proteins, you know, obviously the makeup is very different. The call or the desire of our the flexitarian market is to have alternative protein that is representative of what animal protein is. So basically what we do is we look at it from, we break it down. You know, I call it the house of savory, if you will. Uh, alternative protein. You have a foundation where you need mouthfeel, whether that's fat, umami, savory richness. You look at the middle ground of the house and you look at things like things that are authentic and, and identified by the consumer, you know, like what really identifies a chicken flavor versus a beef flavor versus pork. And then top note is basically really around the impact. What's going to come through within those alternative proteins? Alternative proteins, obviously, there's a lot of pros and cons there. You know, when we're dealing with alternative proteins is off notes that we 
sometimes have to mitigate by using different, again, taste components or flavor compounds. And then also we have to use gold standards to kind of build a frame of reference, if you will, to what that alternative protein should taste like at the end of the day, which needs to be authentic and, again, something that's familiar to the consumer. Okay. So how do you achieve the right balance between flavor and texture to convince the flexitarians to make the switch? Yeah, it's all a matter of the flexitarian consumer is, I would say, very demanding. You know, they really want something, a textured soy protein to taste like burger or steak or chicken nugget, whatever the end application would be. So at the end of the day, really, we have to do a fantastic job of replicating that in our systems. So what we do is we really look at, you know, what is the base components, things like the textured proteins, whether we're going to use pea, soy, or if we're going to use ancient grains or beans and things like that, it could be a combination of these elements to really bring forth mouthfeel and texture, depending again, whether it's a beef, chicken, or pork type of target. Then from that, we have to replicate the mouthfeel, whether it's fat, if it's umami, is it juiciness? Is it the heme of a beef? The color. We have to make sure that the color is representative of what that protein would be. Again, the gold standard. So you look at all these different elements, and what you need to do is really pull those together to give the overall, not, I wouldn't call it a flavor experience, it's overall sensorial experience at the end of the day yeah. for the consumer. So like asobuco is one of my favorite dishes. <laughs> I, you know, and if you think of asobuco, if you break that down, you know, it's all about mouthfeel, the richness of the gravy, the fattiness of, of the protein, and then also the chew. It's a braised shank, so it has to be able to fall apart in your mouth. So these are all different types of elements that you need to make sure that you apply to the final product. Mm -hmm. So what are the pros and cons of using different types of pulses in analog proteins, such as chickpeas, soybeans, lentils, pea proteins, et cetera? What is each ingredient? bring to the party, so to speak, and what elements need to be adjusted or off flavors blocked in order for them to work? Honestly, what happens is that you have these different, and, and within ADM, we have a very vast portfolio, which really makes our job as developers a lot easier because we have these ingredients. We're vertically integrated. We have supply. So that's a, it's a great thing. So if you look at soy, uh, I'll use two examples, soy and pea proteins, textured proteins. If I look at soy, that has certain off notes, if you will. Some would say beanie, some would say cardboardy, depending on what descriptors or your sensory panel would say. And then in the pea side, you might look at things like vegetative, right? So these could be certain, certain attributes that we need to kind of mask or to uh, eliminate or to work around. I would have to say that ADM does a, a fine job, makes my job a lot easier on the proteins that I'm using because we have very clean proteins. So we have more of a, I would call a clean slate to start out, which, which is very important. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so we use these combinations and we have to look at what they're doing at the end of the day and what the end application is. So for instance, textured pea is something I would probably use more in a beef or a chicken in terms of flavor characteristics because Within the protein, it has a, a high level of amino acids and umami compounds that would give somewhat of an enhancement, if you will, taste, along with some of those off notes. So you would have to balance or, or kind of accentuate the umami bit 
and then somehow mitigate some of the vegetative notes. So you would look at these things, where they're going to fit the best. And then you look at combinations. You know, if you're looking at things like a meatball, a faux meatball, if you will, <laughs> and you look at that and you need a sponginess, you need the texture, the, the, the actual bite, and not only that, but how it breaks in your mouth. So you might use a combination of things like navy bean, you might use a pumpkin seed, you might use textured soy and, and textured pea in combination to get that right foundation. So how in doing all that do you work to meet people's health-related concerns, including such characteristics as clean label, organic, natural, and non-GMO? We work very proactive in, in this area. We, again, we're vertically integrated in terms of our textured soy pea and you know, ancient grains and beans. So these things are, are all looked at as very clean, naturally labeled. And we also look at some waste streams of those things too, how we can leverage that in terms of our, our flavor solutions. We have specific, again, I would call, you know, we're a scientific-based company. So obviously we're always looking at what the next step is, what the next hurdle is going to be that we, not, we need to kind of mitigate, right? So we have platforms in place looking, anticipating what is going to be our next move. But in the organic field, clean label, no label, if you will, things that are familiar to the consumer only on a label. These are things we've been working on for years, and we continue to work in a proactive way to meet those needs. And so what overall trends do you anticipate over the next few years that will impact both what you do and how you do it? Health and wellness, health and wellness, and health and wellness. <laughs> but also, again, it's got to taste good. If it doesn't taste good, the consumer's not going to eat it. So we need to make sure that we're giving, you know, the, what the need is when we see in the flexitarian market a lot is they, they're looking for more densely nutrient ingredients and solutions. So at the end of the day, we have to see how can we incorporate more nutrition into these solutions. Gut health, probiotics is going to be a big player. Also, I mean, ADM has done a lot of investing in this area, and we're already, again, in these scientific platforms that we work on, incorporating these things into our solutions already. So again, at the end of the day, it's really health and wellness. The flexitarian market's not going to go away, and that's really the bigger driver if you look at alternative proteins. Very, very demanding set, demographic, if you will, and looking for, again, real solutions. So at the end of the day, we need to make sure... Again, we're giving those things to the flexitarian. And not only in the, the faux beef or like, you know, the burger, it's beyond the bun. It's really around other things like fish, shellfish, chicken, but also not even so much uh, looking around full muscle meats as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, actual vegetarian pork chop yeah. or vegetarian uh, steaks, yeah. those types of things. So. Yeah. Well, this has been Ken Kraut. Global Chief Flavorist of Savory at ADM. Ken, uh, thank you for your time and, and answers. Well, thank you. It was a great pleasure speaking with you today. You can access this interview with Ken Kraut and all of our Meeting Pod Alt Meat podcasts on our website at alt-meat.net. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Alt Mate magazines on social media 
or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.